0: Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word.
1: First Kings 16.29. Let me read this to you and see if I can pronounce these names. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel, and Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel In Samaria, 22 years. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord. More than all who were before him, it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam. It's fascinating, as though it had been trivial. The son of Nabat. That he took as his wife Jezebel. You don't ever want to take Jezebel for your wife. Come on, someone say amen. Amen the daughter of Ethabal, the king of the Sidonians. And he went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he set up an altar of Baal in the temple of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. What an epitaph. Can you imagine that? In his days, Halil of Bethel built Jericho and laid its foundation with Abram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Segub, to set up its gates according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. So Joshua prophesied, anybody that rebuilds this, they're gonna, they're gonna do it with the, their firstborn and their youngest. It was a curse, and he was happy to satisfy the curse so that he could rebuild it. What a moron. Verse 7, moron is a special kind of stupid. Verse 17, at least that's what Siri told me. Verse, uh, pardon me, chapter 17, verse 1 And Elijah, the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew or rain these years except at my word. Father, move in power in Jesus' name. This is the context now of 1 Kings 19. Elijah lived in a dark day. In fact, we, as we read this out, you find out there's really like 7,000 people that haven't bowed the knee, but everyone else has bowed the knee. And this worship of Baal, I mean, it's just a wicked, perverse thing. Now, as I looked at the news report this morning, I mean, MS-13, some kid got stabbed 100 times. I mean, that's like killed a hundred times over. I mean, that's just totally demonic. And the, the challenge that's taking place at our southern borders, what's taking place all over America, and yet, of course, there's pockets of revival. But it seems even in the midst of the pockets of revival, we don't see a transformation of our dying damned culture. I'm so concerned more, more than that. The Lord wants to move in power in our region, in our territory. He wants to move in power in our nation, but there's some things that are, that are amiss. So I want to preach to you about the, the hour in which we find ourselves in the body of Christ. I want to preach to you not only a message about our church and corporately and, and as a part of the body of Christ in this region, but also I believe a word to America, to the church in America. Amazing darkness in the time of Elijah. And it's a dark hour now, but it was nothing compared to Elijah's day. Far darker during Elijah's day. Far, far darker. Prophets are being hunted down. Ahab's king. It seems that this. Union, even with Saul, who was mad, had a fear of the Lord regarding prophets. There is none of that now in Elijah's day. And they're are hiding. There's some politicians that are righteous. They're hiding some of the some of the prophets in caves. Fifty here, fifty there. A friend of ours was uh, just recently with our president. There's there's pockets of revival even in the White House, even in Florida. God is gathering people for sure. I believe that we're headed for the greatest outpouring there has ever been in all of the history of the United States of America and the history of the world. I really believe that. One man in our text here, one man steps out on the stage of history to confront the demonic insanity, and uh, and he confronts it all right. He he calls out for this this uh, this fight. You all know the story, famous fire on Mount Carmel, this contest of who's God in First Kings eighteen. No argument for Elisha, but there was people that were very confused. And so they gathered there at Mount Carmel. We 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 were there at Mount Carmel. We stood at the top of Mount Carmel. I imagine this whole thing taking place. Kind of astounding. And so they gather, and all these thousands of prophets, and the contest is on. All right, we're gonna we're gonna set up a, a sacrifice, and if the if if Baal is God, then he'll call down, then fire will show up. But if the Lord, if he is God, then fire will show up for him. Whoever has fire, you serve him. And everybody's like, all right, we'll do it. So the prophets of Baal come, and they call on Baal, and Elijah gets a spirit of trash talk. Where's Baal? Is he napping? Maybe he didn't need his nap. Maybe he needed a nap. Is he on vacation? I mean, you can go and read this. And he makes fun, and they start to cut themselves, and they do all this nonsense. By the way, cutting of oneself is clearly demonic activity. And when we've seen people here who've come, who've received the word of the Lord and been healed and delivered and saved and set free, they say this many times. I cut myself with razors. They'll do it under their socks. They're, they're, They're commonly called cutters. It's demonic. And, and they'll cut themselves and they say this many times in my interviews with those who've been set free. And if you're struggling with self-hatred like that, you can be set free. You've come to the right place. If you're online, be free, be, free, be healed. And so they come, they, they say this. They say, I've had so much pain So much pain in my soul that nothing would satisfy and take it away until I hurt my own flesh that was more painful than what I was feeling in my own soul, and I got relief. They start cutting themselves. Elijah's talking trash. Anybody play sports here? Anybody ever talk trash when you're playing sports? Okay, I talked trash when I played sports. I played football, lacrosse, and I wrestled a little bit of hockey. Wrestling was one of my favorite. You know, you, you, you go, you, you're about, you're at the line, shake hands, and when we shake hands, I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna rip your head off. And the guy would be like, intimidation. I wasn't saved, come on. Pre-salvation. Come on, somebody used to talk about someone's mom when you're on the line in football, and you didn't exactly say nice things. You're like, oh, my back hurts. You know, on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Trash talk. That's what he does. He's provoking them. Fire doesn't fall, and then it's his turn. And he takes 12 water jars, which is a picture of government, and he'd already called for a drought. Now, the reason he called for a drought, if you understand worship Baal, It's it's fertility and harvest. And so if rain didn't come, then it was evidence that Baal's got a problem. So he's confronting things. And he's confronting this demon spirit of Baal. And so if rain stopped, it was evidence that he didn't exist or that he was a demon. He wasn't the true God. So there's a drought. So then the big fight at Mount Carmel. And, And so they cut themselves. They do their shenanigans and none of it works. Now, it's his turn, and he says, go get 12 water jars. Now, to go get water in a drought would be about as precious as go getting gold. There's, without sacrifice, there's no fire in application. They go, and they get these 12 buckets, and they pour it over. It's a picture of government. It's a picture of authorities. a picture of apostolic leadership. And God comes in fire and burns everything up, and then they destroy and kill all the prophets. And so he basically wins. And that, that is the context of 1 Kings 19. He takes a nap, he wakes up, and he gets this text. First Kings 19, 1 Kings 19:1 Ahab told Jezebel that Elijah done. What a sissy. Just like with Naboth's vineyard. <laughs> anyway. What Elijah had done, and how he executed all the prophets with the sword. Jezebel sent a text to Elijah saying, "Sends a messenger." Okay, so he's using messenger, I guess. Maybe they had Facebook back then. <laughs> so let it be done to me, and more so if I don't make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow. If I don't kill you by this time tomorrow, then may I die. And a spirit of fear hits Elijah. And he runs for his life. Now, I've heard it preached before that, well, he was tired. He was tired. We've had eight days of church. My staff is tired. They get a day off tomorrow. You can get so tired that you can't see the forest from the trees. This amazing. I mean, just think about, the, it's, think about it in terms of Revival signs, wonders, miracles. The prophets are gone. I mean, this outpouring of the Spirit takes place. All right, let me, let me make the application uh, in today's, in, in this century that we're in, or, or, previ- or the previous century, should I say. You had Brownsville. Remember Brownsville? Amazing outpouring. My mama went, told me about it. I had a Juno email account back in the day, and Webster, this is 1998, 97, 98, I forget. They all blend back then that far. It took... Like, it took like thirty minutes to load the web stream through my phone line, and 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 Pastor Karen's like, we're not getting the internet; it's defiled. And then I was able to talk her into it, and I saw these web these streams coming from you know it's streamed like over the web, videos of thousands of people running to the altar. And, and the power of God, Steve Hill preaching, and, and John Kilpatrick praying, and I'd, I'd hear messages. I still remember some of the messages that I heard. Some of our staff, Minister Barry, went to Brownsville with his wife and his family. People were crowded. Their toilet paper bill was $4,000 a month at the top of that thing, and yet, when you think about, how many of you heard of the Brownsville Revival? How many of you heard of that? All right, you can go and look it up. Some of the baptisms that took place and just amazing release of God's power. And yet if you visit Brownsville today, the city is largely unchanged. So you have to say, is that really Revival? Well, I would say it is, but God desired to move it into the culture, to move it into a place of transformation for the city of Brownsville. Heck, not for just the city of Brownsville. How about for the United States of America? Then, then I, think about, I think about Toronto. I think about how a, a, a man, Randy Clark, was touched by the power of God in Rodney Howard Brown's meetings, an evangelist. He ended up in Toronto, Canada. How many of you heard of the Toronto Blessing? Ended up in Toronto, Canada, at a Vineyard Church, Airport Christian Fellowship, and God poured out His Spirit. And there was all kinds of signs and wonders and miracles, and God broke out. I mean, amazing. And I heard about that one, too. And In fact, many of you don't know this, but Bill Johnson and his wife, I think his wife, went first. Then Bill Johnson of Bethel in Northern California went there, got touched, brought the fire back to Bethel, and that was the seed of what's taking place in Bethel. And yet our country with with Azusa Street and Brownsville and I could go on. The list is is infinitely long of these outpourings and these releases of God's fire and these releases of God's power and and the, the burning up of the sacrifice, can I say it that way, and the prophets of Baal being moved out of regions. And yet, Elijah runs. He runs and a culture doesn't seem transformed. This is the hour that we find ourselves in. We don't need a. We don't need a revival, no, 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 no. We need a reformation. Is what we need. So many argue about the Ten Commandments being moved off of Capitol Rotundas. Why they crack open their Budweiser and watch the next game, getting drunk watching the basketball game. Remove those Ten Commandments. When, when many of us removed them from our own homes so many years ago, God is wooing and calling our nation back to him. Yeah. Yeah. And these things that we're going through, the MS-13 and all the tension and all the corruption is is designed to move the church to a place of, of victory and, and leadership. So many times, I don't know if you've been anything like me, we've gotten our hopes up, You know, only to to wake up and see the same mountain maybe standing there or maybe it moved a little bit. So you gotten the victory in your marriage, the victory in your finances. I mean, think about Elijah. I mean, whoo, revival. I mean, how many thousands of people came to believe that the Lord, he is God, the Lord's God, he's the one that comes by fire. And yet Jezebel comes, the government's like unaffected for now. And this word comes and I'm going to kill you when he runs for his life. He's exhausted. Yes, I believe that. He is. Come on, 1 Kings 19. When he saw that he rose and ran for his life and he went to Beersheba. This is a picture. Beersheba is a picture of covenant. Now many of you are tired and you're weary and you've seen some victory as the church has as well. But it's it's time not to run away from it. He's running in the right direction, but he's running filled with fear and a mixture of faith. God wants us to run to the mountain for sure. Not just to the broom tree, which is where he ends up. But he runs to Beersheba. It's a picture of returning to covenant. He's exhausted, verse four. Goes a day's journey into the wilderness and he came and he sat down to the broom tree. And he prayed that he might die. He said, it's enough now, Lord. Take my life, I'm no better than the Father's. I've wondered, why would it be like that? Why, Why would he, I think I think he ran because he realized, hey, I don't have anything else, man. I mean, that was fire. That was everything I got, and I'm still being hunted. Like, where's the breakthrough? Where's the real breakthrough? Where is the, this outpouring, and the fullness of everything that you said? Where is that? He runs to a broom tree. Now, broom tree, when I first read that, it was all broom tree. That doesn't sound too good, broom tree. But in actual fact, a broom tree is one of the most beautiful things in all of, in all of uh, the Middle East. It's not like, you know, a, a bunch of twigs, like a broom turned upside down. It's, when it blooms, it's amazing. It's this place of refreshing. And he goes to this broom tree, and he's, he's basically wanting to quit. Verse 5, Then he lays asleep. He takes a nap, and suddenly an angel touched him, an angel from the Iron Chef. An angel comes and cooks him some food. Puts together some filet mignon, maybe. Bakes some cakes on some coals and a jar of water. The the cakes or the bread's a picture of Christ, of course. The jar the the uh the water is a picture of the Holy Spirit. He said, I I have to find God. I, I need your help. He's tired. You can get so t- listen, you can get so tired that you can don't see the forest from the trees. I've been there. In actual fact, now, when I get really tired, I can't, I, there's times when I can't even feel the presence of God, I'm so tired. That's not today, praise the Lord. There's times when 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 we just are so weary that if we just, man, if we just take some of those essential oils that somebody was telling me about and you rub some of that patchouli up on your feet. <laughs> My wife's like, don't rub patchouli on your feet, Okay. You know, you, you just need some essential. You, you know, take those vitamins. Just, just if you could just get some. rest, You just exercise and eat a little bit better, then you can get refreshed. I'm going to tell you, there's a weariness that can come from the enemy that only God can free you from. Has nothing to do with vitamins. Listen, you can take a vacation. When you get back, you're more exhausted. You could go away someplace to get refreshed and I'm all for doing that, praise God. But there's a refreshing that comes from the Lord that only he can provide and if you look for it outside of him, you'll end up weary, you'll end up tired, you'll end up wanting to quit. You'll run from Jezebel. And so the Lord wants to bring us to a place of refreshing, but watch this. He doesn't just get refreshed once. The angel comes and touches him a second time. Now first of all, Many of you are trying to survive on the first touch. Listen, God doesn't want you to live from just a simple touch. He said, well, i come to King's every Sunday. I'm glad you come every Sunday. I'm glad you come Wednesday. But in this hour of, of, of warfare, in this hour of declaration and victory that we need in our nation, coming to, if you're only getting fed here, then you're anemic. Because you need another touch. The angel, he takes a nap. And then the Iron Chef angel wakes him up again and says eat again because the first meal the first touch that he got was not going to be enough for the hour, for the for the run that he had to go make you know desperate hours require a different diet and if you don't have the victory in your life with the diet that you currently have spiritually speaking you need to change your diet Maybe you need to read the word more. Maybe you need to fast a little bit. Maybe listen, many times we face things that are you know, that are just simple for us to overcome, but there's other mountains like the mountain of our culture that aren't just moving because there's an endorsement of evil. And though darkness is all over the earth. Grace abounds. Though darkness is thick and all over our culture, the glory of the Lord is rising on his people. God is raising up a generation of world changers. He's raising up a people that are hungry and thirsty and won't back off of the promises of God that won't just just settle for a touch, but are hungry for a second touch and more than that, the second touch. More than that. You can't just live on a touch. You got to abide. Man, his heavenly meal doesn't work for him. The second meal is served. And the angel tells him to go 40 days in the strength that he has. He flees to Horeb, which is amazing. Look at verse 13. So understand that the journey to Horeb, some scholars say three to four day journey Other scholars say it's more like six. But what's with 40? Why would it take him 40 days? God had a plan for him, and he goes supernaturally by the Spirit. First of all, I want you to know that the life of a fly, Beelzebub is the Lord of the flies or the Lord of the the crap hill. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. What's your name, Lord of the dung? Some other stronger words. Yeah, I'm the Lord of the Dunghill. Geez, <laughs> how about that? The cycle of a fly and its larva is 40 days. So if you starve out a fly and its larva for 40 days, it no longer lives and you eliminate the fly. Interesting. So for 40 days, let's, let's say it's a six-day journey. So in, instead of a journey that takes six days, it takes them 40 and you gotta know he's having a he's having an incredible time with the power of the Spirit of God leading him. Gone this journey to Horeb. And we don't know all that takes place, but look where look where the Lord brings him. First Kings 19. There's a couple of reasons that I think we're finding ourselves out in the wilderness before I before I say that. Let me say this about that. The church has been marginalized in many ways although there's a there's a greater move of god than most people know there, there there's you know the the media would say that islam's is growing faster that's totally not true and god is visiting those who are in the bondage of of islam and revealing himself to them I mean, the stories are amazing. I have a, a brother that keeps close track on that stuff, and he's always telling me the different stories about how Jesus appears during the month of fasting Ramadan, and how over and over and over the miracles, signs, and wonders are taking place. The Church of the Living God is, is bigger than bigger than you know, and God is moving, stirring, touching, saving, healing, delivering, and you just don't get to hear all the news. You don't want to listen to everything the news says anyway. God's on the move in every culture, every tribe, every tongue. The gospel is being preached all over the world. Do you remember when that young man uh, got killed just recently in, the, in, a, in a remote island of the Philippines? What most people don't know is this. I, I believe he's an ORU, ORU student or uh, maybe Rama, one of the two. I, I'm gotten confused. I need to go look. And he believed that if he would just go, that was one of the unreached people. They've never heard the gospel. And he felt like the Lord spoke to him and said, just go and preach the gospel. Now, it doesn't match with our reason. Reason is the guillotine of your faith. When God speaks to you to do something, you could reason it away. Well, that doesn't make sense because I don't have the the money. I don't have the smarts. I don't have the education. I don't have, listen, when God speaks to you, don't reason away what he's saying. I mean, come on, Elijah's going 40 days on a six-day journey, but it takes him 40 days supernaturally. That young man, could it be that he actually did hear God? He was a martyr. He got martyred. But he was a spirit-filled, on-fire believer. That we know. And, he, and, and you don't hear a bunch of that about, about, you know, they make it all back, like, what a psycho. Everybody knows you would have been killed. What a fool. He should have gone and preached to these people. He's telling them that Jesus the whole, the whole culture is trying to marginalize Christianity. Evangelicals are made to look like idiots. And Jesus is has is, is, is become like a byword and a, a thing of mocking. Well, I'm telling you, it's changing. How is it changing? The, the voice of the silent majority is no longer silent. I believe that God is raising up a people. And, you know, you can track what's taken place in our nation where they remove, remove prayer from the schools and, and when Roe versus Wade and all the different things of the marginalizing of our, of our, uh, of our, of our God and, and the church and how the degradation of our society just, you look at graphs, it just ramps right up and goes through the roof, right from that moment. He goes... And he's told by the angel to go to this cave. And he goes to this cave. In verse thirteen, he went out and stood at the entrance of the the cave. That's an article there. It's not a cave. It's not a cave. It's the cave. We so said, "What cave is that, Pastor Daniel?" It's the cave. What cave? I'm talking about the cave. What cave? The Exodus 33 cave. The cave that Moses went into, where God hid him in the cleft of the rock. And so Elijah, filled with fear mixed with faith, gets this touch from the Lord, gets a second touch with the strength that he has, goes to the mountain. Many of you are trying to get refreshed at the broom tree of a touch from God. It's not a touch from God that's going to bring you into the next season. The touch that God wants to bring us, wants to anoint the next guy to take out Jezebel, wants to bring a next generation to to bring the kingdom. That is the hour in which we, we live. Don't settle for the broom tree when he's called you to the mountain. There is a place of strength. Where's my piano person? Thank you so much. There's a place of strength and power and anointing that's available for you. I don't know why it is in my own personal life, but we walk with the Lord and we endeavor to abide with him, but there's places of the release of God's power and glory that's available for us that many times we just settle for the broom tree. Am I the only one? When in fact, because of the blood of Jesus, he's given us access and privilege to boldly come before his throne of grace, to seethe glass, to receive a touch, to, to receive real transformation. God just doesn't want to bring you into a touch. He wants to bring transformation. He wants to transform your marriage. He wants to transform your prayer life. He wants to transform your kids. He wants to transform your finances. He wants to transform you. He wants to transform you to make you more like Christ into His image. I think God was protecting him in the wilderness and I believe that the Lord has brought the body of Christ in many ways into a wilderness experience to make them hungry. And the other thing is, you know, when you don't really appreciate something, let me say it this way. I'm on a nutrition program that I'm by the grace of God trying to stay on. Uh, and uh, just thankful for a fresh start tomorrow. Hallelujah. <laughs> but prior to my nutrition program, I would eat chocolate cake as much as I wanted to. I, I, I mean, I, I, lo- I just really enjoy chocolate. And I know I'm probably just one of few people here. So, I mean, I really like it. I mean, maybe I like it too much. And uh, so I've abstained from chocolate cake. But you know when you have those cheat days, sometimes a cheat day becomes a cheat life. I mean, you know It's like cheat day, cheat life, right? Ugh. I've been cheating too long. Well, prior to abstaining from chocolate cake, I really didn't appreciate it a lot. I mean, I liked it. But now, now when I, when I see that, that seven-layer chocolate cake, I imagine a glass of milk or a wonderful cup of French roast, just right. And I imagine, you know, eating it and just, oh, and I just enjoy it all that much more. I think one of the things that's happened in our culture, I believe this is happening. I believe the church has been, been marginalized in a certain way. And there's pockets of revival. There's things happening in the White House. And honestly, in every house, God's trying to move in every church, every mega church, every church down every gravel road. He's trying to pour out His Spirit. But because of what's taking place, it's this raging of the demonic. I mean, I mean, or 13 all the different things that are taking place. And I think people are beginning to think, you know, maybe it wasn't so bad when we had the lamppost, if I can quote, Chesterfield. They tore down the lamppost. Then they're arguing about about the light in the dark. A whole poem written about that. The Lord has got us in a wilderness time in many ways, but there's a coming and outbreak of God. He said, Well, I'm not in the wilderness, I'm on the cutting edge. Well, wonderful. We still need to change our culture. Came to the cave, not unlike Moses. There are many here that you've been medicating yourselves instead of going to the mountain. Hey, preach, pastor. You've been medicating yourself. Oh, I've I've, I've done it. I've done it with food. I've I've done it with busyness. Corey Ten Boom said, beware the barrenness of a busy life. I've I've, I've done that too. Listen, you can be busy about Christian stuff and be barren, powerless. I believe the greatest pure evangelism release is coming. People are hungry. We saw, it's just shy of about 700 people led to Jesus in, in five weeks. Did you, did you hear me? Did you hear me? And honestly, yeah, praise the Lord. Honestly, it's not because of dozens and dozens of people that went out into the highways and byways. Honestly, that was done with ten people. Ten people. Most of the body of Christ doesn't witness because they're ashamed. Or they're embarrassed. Or these things, these mountains that are still in their life, mock them. Because if God's really God, then why are you still dealing with a broken marriage and kids that have run away? Or why are you still dealing with a sickness or the infirmity? If God's really a healer, then why do I still have this thing? You have to settle it. You have to be absolutely fully persuaded, like Abraham was fully persuaded, and he believed God, we are headed for a great outpouring. And God wants to raise up an Elisha generation. Not Elijah, Elijah anointed Elisha, and he went out and did the double double. He did the double double. But if you just think you're going to waltz right into it because you fixed your hair and came to church today, it's not true. The same amount of Bible reading and prayer and fasting in the last season isn't going to get it in this season. God wants to transform you in the cave. He wants His glory to come, His power to come. He's not in the wind. He's he's not in the fire. He's not in any of those things. He's a still, small voice. And He gets this this new uh, marching orders. And Elijah, if you read the text, hides his face in the mantle. And the Lord says, I'm releasing new mantles. I'm releasing new mantles of authority. For a previous generation walked in that power and that authority, but it's being passed. All around the world, there are mantles that are being passed. Batons are being passed to a next generation. And the Lord says, I've chosen you and and a company of Deborah's even to be that which would carry my fire, my power, and the word of the Lord. For even in the, the high places of the land you will declare, you will proclaim, and you will see my glory I'm anointing a generation and there's a new mantle that's being released there's new power new fire available come on stand up on your feet and receive just a fresh impartation and a call to go to the mountain you can run, but you can't hide. And I would not go to the broom tree of your medication. Don't run back to the things of apathy and lethargy. Run to the mountain. Run and press in, for you've been given access. You've been given privilege, the blood of the Lamb. Come on, if, uh, if Elijah could go and experience God like that. And he was in a part of an old covenant. You have a new covenant. You're washed. You're cleansed. You're forgiven. And if you're not, I'm going to give you an opportunity to remedy that. Yes, Lord. Come on, lift your voice all across this place, those online. Lift your hands to Jesus. Be filled with faith. Just because you've been delayed, says the Lord, it is not a denial. But the desperate hour in which you find yourself is is to drive you to a place of new diet. I want to fill you. I want to flood you. I want to overwhelm you with my goodness that you would be carriers of the glory of God. Even as the Ark of the Covenant was carried upon priest's shoulders. So it is that I want to cover the earth with the glory of the Lord that would be carried by men and women and children. I'm pouring out my spirit on sons and daughters. And I've called you. I've selected you. I've appointed you to bear forth fruit and fruit that remains. Don't don't look down your nose at people, but rise up in a new level of forgiveness. Rise up in a new level of authority. The Lord says I've enthroned my king in Zion. It's a Psalm 2 he who sits on Zion laughs and I'm going to take your sons and daughters and if you raise them rightly install them in places of authority I'm going to raise the, the next president of the United States is already alive he's already alive senators and congressmen teach your people teach your sons and daughters to be world changers teach them to, to, set, the, to set the limit to stand at the gate to proclaim change in our culture God's doing it. Receive a new mantle right now. Come on, receive it right now. Holy Ghost! We receive it. We receive the call. To go to the mountain. Thank you for the first touch. Thank you for the ongoing touch of heaven. But Lord, we long for your glory to hear. Fresh assignments being released. Even now, God's releasing visions. God's releasing dreams. The cave of Moses became the cave of Elijah. Can become your cape. He's the cleft of the rock. Jesus is the cleft of the rock. He says, I'm hiding you and I'm going to speak to you. Cut off the things of time and tradition. Push yourself away from the things that medicate and, and cause your emotions and your senses to be dulled. Push yourself away from the things of entertainment and that which it rob and steal and kill and destroy. Push yourself away even from the table to give yourself to times of prayer and fasting and I will meet you. And I will talk to you. And I'll put new power on you. And I will make you, as it says in Isaiah, a new sharp threshing instrument. There is a release of evangelism. Pure evangelism is going to run like fire through this community. And he's going to do it through you. He's giving you a burden. He's giving you a mantle. And watch and see, says the Lord, the greatest revival is yet ahead. The greatest revival, even the fullness of the Gentiles, is coming. It's coming. It's coming. Come on, shout to God with a voice of triumph. Come on, shout to God. Yeah. Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. Service is almost over. We need fresh outpouring right now, Lord.
0: We need a fresh outpouring. Unleash the fresh Marina, quickly outpouring come. now. Worship singers, come. Feel it.
1: And say, I receive fresh revelation. I receive wisdom. Come on, say, I'll answer the call. And I will go. Every head bowed, every eye closed, all across this place. That's you to give your heart to Jesus. You've never done that before. You want to recommit to him because you drifted perhaps in your walk and you know you're not right with God all across this place. You see, that's me, Pastor. Wonderful. Thank you for your honesty. Pray this prayer right out loud if you want to get your your life right with God. Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and his death, his resurrection as your own. Say, dear Heavenly Father, come on right out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin, and come into my life, come into my heart. Be my Lord, be my Savior. Thank you for loving. Wash and cleanse me and make me new. Amen. Let me pray for you. I pray now a breaking off of every assignment of medication off of your people. I break off every chain, every curse, every fetter in Jesus' name because you became a curse for us that we might be New creatures in Christ filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you come and fill these right now. Baptize afresh. Fill people now. Charge people. Release that fresh anointing, that fresh mantle and assignment to fulfill what you've called us to in this generation. And that should you tarry in the next generation would be equipped. That we would take the high places of this land. For the glory of God that we would not be marginalized but we would be militant we would be the militant blood-washed anointed host of heaven cleansed from the former things now used for noble purposes bring us into greater places of your glory not just a touch not even a second touch but an abiding release Lord, the Jehus, release laborers. Ekbalo, thrust forth laborers into the harvest field. We thank you for victory and your imminent soon return. we give you praise. Thank you for
0: joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.